0: Hi guys, how are you guys doing? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, how would you guys feel our first episode went? uh
1: I, I think it went pretty well. Um, I was blown away. To be honest, I wasn't expecting it to go from a feedback point to be as good as, uh, we, as it was. The feedback has been super positive. Dovi, uh, you were going to say something?
2: No, I, I was just like, I was pretty blown away by how much feedback how much positive feedback we got um okay it kind of showed that you know there's a lot of people that are thinking about these things and I guess that we're not alone in exploring this
1: yeah I agree there was just so many people that said hey I've thought about this too like yeah that they thought it was thought-provoking because they'd kind of thought about it but not really delved into it so I I think that's great because I mean that was the whole point of us starting this right to get build a, a journey with other people build the community start exploring um hinduism a bit more and say that those that positive feedback really pumped me up for our future episodes i did not expect the reach we got there were people that had heard about it through other people that in channels that i wasn't expecting i was expecting it to just be mostly friends and maybe friends of friends but it definitely reached further than that which i thought was great and i think it's amazing um but I mean, obviously, the main thing is for everyone listening right now. Thank you so much for the feedback and keep giving us feedback.
0: Yeah, like the two things that really came up when hearing stuff from people that have listened to us was they were just hoping for more information and just wanting to know more. And there were also some people that really brought forward some like some good questions where we it would probably bring opportunity for a lot more debate and actual dis- and discussion and discourse as well. So I'm really excited to see, to take those ideas forward and see where we go with it and see where we run from it. Like one of our listeners, uh, they brought up a really interesting idea that we could look in depth. Um, it's the association between like certain animals and gods. And they talked about the, like they talked about that being very specific to Hinduism. And I'm not like, I've seen it in some like other like mythologies and stuff as well, but I'm really look excited to look at like look at that relationship a bit more and it'll probably come up on today's episode. And our listeners probably already know what it is looking at the title of the episode on whatever they're listening to it, like listening to it on. It's just no surprise, but we'll bring it up soon. But again, just thank you for everyone that's listened so far. And please like send us any comments, any feedback that you have, negative and positive. Um, you can email us at qualityhindu at gmail.com or just message us on Instagram, qualityhindu
1: well and also and i think also just not negative and positive feedback questions things you want us to address like this idea of um animals being associated in hinduism and not being seen elsewhere like that's really interesting things for us to touch on things we may not think about so key, like just tell us all your thoughts we want to know we want to learn from you as much as as work we're trying to share what we can find as well
0: and with all of that said let's get on with today's show Ooh. Hello, and welcome to Quality Hindu, the podcast that discusses Hinduism and its role in our Australian lives. I'm your host today, Saravanin, and with me, I have Janathan, hey-o, I can do this all day, Duvarakan, from way downtown, bang, and unfortunately, we don't have Abi today. Uh, she's not recording with us today, but she will definitely be back next episode. So to recap for our listeners, we've come together to improve our understanding of Hinduism, answer questions that we have and you guys have, and delve into many things that we may not understand. Now, one of the things that was brought up and we discussed last episode was the theistic nature of Hinduism. Uh, We raised the idea that it could be considered monotheistic with the concept of the Brahman the supreme being, whilst also considering it to be polytheistic with multiple deities and gods. And so with keeping that in mind, we'll be delving into this a lot more in episodes to come. But today, our focus is going to be on one of the most popular or rather most well-known Hindu gods, and that is the elephant-headed god Ganesha. I was watching an episode of Big Bang Theory a couple of years ago, and I remember Howard and Leonard and Raj, like all the, the, the geeks, they were playing like this, I think, not Dungeons and Dragons, but it's this like war playing, like this Warhammer type of game style. And there's just a whole bunch of scenarios that they're throwing out. And at some point, Raj is like, uh, you can't defeat me. Like, you know, I've got Lord, Sh- like I've got Shiva and Ganesha on my side. And they're like, Hang on, Shiva and Ganesha, like the Hindu gods, against the like entire Union Army, and Raj just goes on to defend, like, "Excuse me, Ganesha is the remover of, remover of obstacles, and Shiva's the destroyer." You know, when the smoke clears, Abraham Lincoln will be speaking Hindi and drinking mint jalebis.
1: <laughs> I actually do. I think I kind yeah, of I remember that episode.
0: Very <laughs> yeah.
1: It definitely sounded better with his Indian accent, though.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm no actor. I'm no, I'm no Raj. I can't really pull it off. It especially doesn't sound right with an Australian accent <laughs> coming through. But like, that was one of the, um, one of the moments when I realized how big and popular G- Ganesha was as a deity. And I guess just the first thing I want to open to the floor is like, what is each of your current relationships with Ganesha?
2: Well, um, personally, when I was growing up. This may sound sort of silly, but the first thing I like noticed about Ganesha was, you know, the fact that he's prayed to first. And growing up, he was always my favorite deity. And maybe that was due to the fact that he was I'm a competitive person and, you know, he's prayed to first. I was like, oh yeah, I wanna I wanna be like him. You know, he's the god I wanna pray to. Or maybe it was his big tummy and I just, you know, associated with that really nicely. Not not completely sure. But obviously since then I've understood a little bit more. I'm not going to say a whole lot more. Um, and hopefully that's what this episode will help me out with. But he is obviously, you know, the deity we pray to first, uh, which is very commonly known. Before exams and things, I think in particular for me, it was always like, yeah, go pray to Lord Ganesha. He will remove the obstacles before my exam starts, make sure I've done everything well and he'll make me do well. But yeah, I mean, for me, that's, that's what I think about Lord Ganesha and that's, you know, how I feel about him.
0: Well, like I'm, I'm, I'm on the same train as you. I think even just as the deity being the, one of the only few that we know has has an animal face, like the elephant-headed god, I thought that was pretty cool. But the fact that you, you really like the fact that you have a belly and he has a belly, like I think that's that's your relationship with him, and I can really appreciate that. <laughs> Look, I think Jana, uh, from my <laughs>
1: understanding, the belly for Ganesha holds the world of the universe, and Dovi, I think. The world or universe you hold in your belly is probably a little bit different, um, but there is still just a, a touch. Wide not not too different, though. There's a thing. lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, it's amazing that he's the only god that you pray to before an exam. I think I try to pray to every single god I can think of before an exam. <laughs> but yeah, probably start with him to remove the obstacles of getting into the exam and getting through it. For me, so I had to really think about this um, when we talked about the when we talked about the podcast, because for me in Hinduism, I've always naturally had more of a relationship with Shiva. And for that's sort the of reason that's not an easy to explain. It's a bit of a long story, and I'm sure we'll get into that into a future episode. Uh, so I really had to delve deep and think about what my relationship is with Ganesha. And Duvi, you mentioned already that he's the god we um, pray to first. He That's mm-hmm. also why like what my relationship with him would be. I'd never start a prayer or start praying Without first praying to Ganesha. And one of the ways I would pray to him was a very particular mantra. This particular mantra is one I always started with, and that's Vakratunda uh, Mahagaya Surya Samaprabha Gurume Deva Sarvada. What that means is salutations to the one who has a curved trunk. So, as you mentioned, Sarah, the elephant faced god who has a large body and whose splendor is similar to a million suns. So again, does we mentioned the large belly that holds the universe. Oh Lord, please make my undertakings free of obstacles by extending your blessings in all my works always. And so again, that, that you touched on that, that's, that Ganesha is the remover of all obstacles. And that's how I've always seen him as well. He When I pray to him, you start praying to him and it's about removing obstacles. But yeah, like we joked about and before an exam, you're praying for him to remove obstacles for your exam. But when I go to the temple, for example, and I, like my thoughts around praying to him, it's about removing obstacles, um, not just for myself, but for those important to me, for those in the world. And I try to think about it as more than that, there's so many types of obstacles that he could be removing for each person, depending on their journey in life and where they're up to. So it could be something like removing bad thoughts, helping. Remove emotional reactivity like anger or rage or being upset too quickly, or it can be a physical obstacle in your path, like an exam that is stopping you from doing something in particular. Maybe some people think about finance as an obstacle, so they may pray that they find a way to live their life. They want to do particular things around that. So I think obstacles can be so much, and that's when I pray to them. I when I pray about removing obstacles for me and the people around me. I think of it as any obstacles that, for, that is an obstacle for that person, and of course, when I was really going through this, the other thing that really came to me was in my head, um, Ganesha is always the kindest of deities. I don't know where I got this from, to be honest, but that's just how I've grown up with my the concept of him for me, and that's just stuck with me. And like I see him as the kindest, and most approachable. I don't. I'm not saying that the other deities and gods are unapproachable I'm just for some reason that's just what my head is like
0: I get what you mean by that yeah yeah and because I've I've always associated with Ganesha with a lot of humility as well yeah absolutely like and
1: I don't know where I get that idea but then I was thinking maybe it's because I'm an older brother he's an older brother I'm pretty approachable and kind so maybe that's for he must be approachable and kind it could have come from that I think it's very likely different different and I know Duvy would agree
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, different kind of approachable in kind, I I would think. That really leads on to like my relationship with Ganesha because from a young age, you know, I've you know, me and my brother, well my older brother, his name's Pranavan for um and my name's Saravanan, And in, well, in for in Hinduism, like Pranavan is a name associated with Ganesha, and is a name associated with Murugan or Kartikeya. And in Hindu mythology, they are older brother, younger brother. So I always thought of us, like, you know, Prenavan, Saravan, and Ganesha, Murugan, like even even within like Hindu mythology, they are brothers and we themselves are those brothers. Not those brothers incarnate, but just, you know, it just happens to be a coincidence. Well, it's,
1: I mean, it is kind of cool that you guys have that relationship as well from your names. Like it, it, is, it is nice. I think that that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And even with on the everyday... Um, like you guys have said, whenever I go to the temple, i pray to him first and he's, he's just the deity that we associate with the removal of, of our obstacles. And we'll discuss that a bit more. There's also someone that I know in a lot of things that we do in Hindu culture, or like we make prayer and offerings to them first. I know with, for me, uh, with my Carnatic music background and just with the programs and, uh, concerts that i go to pretty much every single time the first piece that is ever performed on stage is a devotional song in the name of ganesha
1: yes yeah, so my Carnatic music background there just to kind of slip that in um is i only knew the one song related to ganesha so it's would start and then pretty much leave the stage for dubi to continue
2: <laughs> oh look I'm i'm not gonna be able to tell you any definitions of songs but definitely like whenever we start even bhajans or whenever you go to a Karanatic music concert, uh, better than concert, which is classical, um, South Indian dancing. The, the first piece is always dedicated to Ganesha in most even Karanatic concerts. They'll have like a statue or something like that in the corner where, with an honor altar of Ganesha as well.
0: Yeah. And that's how I've always involved Ganesha in my life thus far, but I'm pretty sure we'll remember things over the course of this episode. And I guess throughout this episode as well, for those of you that don't know much about Hinduism, a lot of our gods and deities tend to go by different names, and we may use them uh, over the course of this episode and in future episodes. But I guess one thing that I want to go through now is what are some of the names that you guys know or associate with Ganesha? There's a few. I
1: think Ganesha is definitely the one I use most, and I, I think it's quite obvious. We're all tending to use Ganesha a lot. But the other ones are Ganapathy, um, there's Palera, and I don't know if I—I I feel like Palera, I generally hear more from uh, Tamil people use. I don't know if it's a common name used by. Um, other dialect. And then Vinayaka is the other one that comes, I think that comes around across a lot in bhajans, as we was talking about bhajans before. Vinayaka seems to be used very commonly in bhajans. And there's like Gajavadana, I think is another one, or Gajanana. Like I think there's a lot. So there is definitely so many, but definitely Ganesha and Pilar is probably the, sorry, Ganesha and Pilar is the one that we use the most. And that in a sense is a type of relationship you have depending on which word that you've,
0: which name you use, the name yeah.
1: of you? Sorry, yeah. And just was going kind of wanting to mention before we kept going. I just for our listeners, when you guys do give us feedback, if you give us feedback, let us also know if there's relationships you have with Ganesha that is different to us, or you have a different take just with the various parts of what we talk about through the episode. It's really interesting for us reading that as well because it's something different for us to read on, especially if you're not from sri lanka and you're from north india you may have a very different relationship or out- outlook
0: yeah um that's uh, very important we always always want to hear back from our listeners the, those are some like those are some of the names that i know yeah, yeah. like i know, think vinayaka Puleyash, yeah i think there's like
2: maybe one or like the only other name i can think of is lambodara um
0: mm. like,
2: that comes up often in bhajans as well um and i guess like
0: eka danta as well Um, yeah, that that's actually a really common, uh, that's a common one as well. We'll go through each of those names and we'll break down the meanings as to why we have them. And there are actually a lot of really cool like stories that are associated with each of these names as well as to why they, are. and we'll have a bit more exposure into all of that as well, just for us and for our listeners. There's a mantram that I also was exposed to a lot as a child that actually covered a few of the names and it actually gives a nice all-round look to Ganesha um as a god. So like the mantram is Mushika mm-hmm. Vahana Modha Hasta Kamara Karna Vilambata Sutra Vamana Rupa Maheshwara Putri Vigna Vinayaka Pada Namaste. So in breaking that down like, so, Mushika Vahana is actually one of the other names, and he is the one who has a mouse as a vehicle, and has, is the one with a Mordhaham in his hand. And uh, we'll go into all of these um, through th- uh, further. Uh, Kamarakarna, the one with large ears, like fans, and the one who wears the sacred thread, Vilambhadha Sutra. Uh, Vamana Rupa, he's short in stature because he's short and chabi, and Maheshwara Putri, the son of Maheshwara, Sri Maheshwara, the Lord Shiva, another name for Shiva. Vigna Vinayaka, padanamaste in that we give our, pra- our salutations and our bless, um, we surrender ourselves at the feet of Vigna Vinayaka. And In going through some of those names that we've talked about, so Ganesha, Ganapadi, Vigneshra, Vinayaka, like we'll go, um, just to break those down, Gana actually refers to um, this, like a troop of semi divine beings that are part of, um, like, I guess Lord Shiva's entourage. But the idea is that as the Isha, or like the Lord or the Master of them, he, um he Ganesha is the ruler of them. And in doing so, like just the ruler of these beings, but also these beings, the Ganas, are also often associated with the elements as well. So um that's where like that name comes from. And so the names like Ganesha, Ganapadi, Ganadiba, like those are associated with that particular side of him. Um, and then you have names like Vinayaka, Vigna Raja, Vignesha. Pretty sure you guys would have heard of them as well. The Vigna part of it is actually, um, means so the Vigna part means obstacles. And so in being the Vigna Raja, they are the king or like the, the Raja is like another word for king. So they're like the king or the ruler of those obstacles. So they are the one in control. Those are some of the names that relate to his ability um, or his uh, stature as the Lord or the remover of obstacles. But one of the names that you brought up, Tuvi, um, Ekadanta. So that, do you know what that means? Um, Like just from,
2: just from like some basic knowledge, I assume "eka" means one. So potentially one tusk, I not a hundred percent sure you're that, absolutely but, yeah. right
0: you, you're absolutely on the dot with that um Ekadanta is the, he is the one with one tusk and do you know what lambodara means no i i have to i have to bow out on that one unfortunately <laughs> can i just can you're i just
1: take a this. guess the fact that you directed that question in Duvi <laughs> <laughs> that's he's i'm oh, guessing no. it has something to do with the belly <laughs> reference <laughs>
0: Oh, yes. Yes. So here's, so Lambodhara, because Dovi was the one who also brought it up. <laughs> yeah. um, la, like Lambodhara is True. the one who has a pot belly. Or the literal translation is the uh, one who has a hanging belly. So in that it hangs and rolls over. So du, like with coming back to Duby's relationship with Ganesha and wanting to be very similar and having that pot belly, it, it just felt poetic that he also brought up that name. Something <laughs> they're meant to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. It's, it's um, the CDR
1: taking effect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. And some of the names that you brought up, Jana. So like Gajanana and a, and a similar one to that is like Gajamukha or Ane Muha, which refers to Ganesha having an elephant face. Gaja referring to the elephant and like Mukham being face. So he's the elephant face. And the other name that you brought up was Puleyar. So in Tamil, Pule means child. And the Ya'ar component refers to a mnemonic of nobility. So him being a noble child or and a child of Lord Shiva. So I guess just to summarize with a lot of that information, with all of those names, Ganesha, Ganapadi, Vinayaka, Puleyar is the elephant-headed god that is associated to be the remover of obstacles and in doing so being able to bring us luck. And another thing that we also associate is that he is the patron of the arts and sciences and is also the deva of intellect and wisdom. And in doing so, he is often honored at the start of rites and ceremony. Now, one thing that you guys may not know is that even though Ganesha is a primarily Hindu god, did you know that he also has really big reverence in Buddhism and Jainism as well? No, I didn't.
1: I Like, that's that is news to me. Can you explain that a bit further? Like, do you have a bit more about that?
0: With Ganesha and Buddhism, it's actually a very similar relationship to the way it is in Hinduism as well, in that he is depicted as the destroyer of obstacles with Buddhism itself, because correct me if I'm wrong, if there's any other, like if there are any Buddhists also listening to our Hindu podcast, there there are regional variations as well. So there is a Vinayaka or like a, a Ganesha equivalent in Japanese Buddhism, and his name is Shoten. Initially, in a lot of their stories, he's depicted as a demon or like a villain, but through their stories, he actually ends up overcoming a lot of that and then becomes a hidden or like sacred god as well. And so his image turns positive through one of their tales as well. In Jainism, they don't mention any actual worship of Ganesha in like the actual literature, but in terms of regional practice, there are some areas that do worship Ganesha those are some of the things that i found out interesting
1: so like that that japanese one especially where you said he's initially a demon that overcomes that that aspect of himself and comes out Mm. as a hidden god that's that i found that really interesting because we were mentioning earlier we have a very positive i guess view of ganesha we think of him as humble very approachable very nice very kind that was how we grew up and had that relationship but that would be a very Mm. different story to that then because as it like they clearly saw him differently initially so that that's really in, that's actually really interesting to, to yeah hear.
2: actually i remember reading at some point there's actually like 250 temples apparently in japan that are like temples of ganesha which is um it's very interesting for a country that's not like now the Hinduism to to relate it to that is very it shows just how widespread it is
0: yeah it comes to show as to how well-known and popular Ganesha is as a deity and I guess that comes into a bit of the iconography that I was going to talk about so we talked about the fact that he's elephant-headed he's got a pot belly and we've talked about one of his names Ekadanta, meaning he has a single tusk one thing Jana mentioned earlier is that pot belly being a symbol of the fact that he has the whole universe in his belly. There's one thing that I actually read that comes from the Brahmanda Purana, which is one of the texts that explores a bit more into Ganesha. He has the name Lambodhara because all the universes of the past, present, and future are present in him, and it's equated with space in that it's vast enough to hold all wisdom and all life. It's also a reflection of being able to stomach all the good and all the bad in in life as well. And I guess in a way that reminded me of the happy Buddha and also in a bit more mainstream sense, like it reminded me of Santa Claus as well, just being a happy, <laughs> jolly fellow.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> I can't say I, I thought about that. That, that yeah. is, that is a, definitely an interesting take.
0: Yeah. I guess one thing, one question I wanted to ask you guys is what are your thoughts on Ganesha having an Elephant head. What makes it significant for you?
1: To be honest, I haven't really, like, that's something I haven't really understood. I didn't know this, the exact significance behind it. I know the story behind it that I think we all probably have heard and i think i, I suspect there are ver- different variations my uh my, my most of my knowledge about his elephant head was around that story the only thing that kind of stands that i kind not stands out but that i kind of remember from when i was growing up was that Elephants were thought to be very intelligent, yeah. and Ganesh is also thought of as someone that's very intelligent, mm-hmm. has very good discretion.
0: Yeah, like that's one of what, like one of the big things that I found as well reading through that the elephant head comes across with his intelligence and his memory, and the, the large ears being able to hear a lot and take in just take in a lot as well, and it comes across with all of his wisdom and the association with his trunk as well to be very flexible it all helps to i guess bring that image of his humility and his kindness and his uh intelligence and wisdom as well all those things that we've talked about Divi, do you have any do you have anything that you want to add no no
2: Sarah, i i also just related it back to that like as we're growing up or as like elephants elephants are incredibly smart creatures like one of the smartest land mammals and so that's where i related it to as you know ganesha being a very knowledgeable and wise being and definitely the large ears being about how he listens to everything and he takes everything in but that's that's where where what i was thinking as well
1: saran i hadn't heard about like i i think I probably have heard about but maybe forgotten the part about his is having heard everything and as he said that I kind of jogged my memory but the one thing I definitely hadn't heard about was with the you said the trunk being associated with flexibility what exactly does that mean to you or does that mean does that in terms of representing him what what kind of what is that association uh reference
0: for for me I think it comes back to his uh, his image as well as being able to take the good to take the bad and as an instrument that elephants use as well it's something that they physically use to remove obstacles it's one of their their free limbs that they use and in a way he like Ganesha uses that to to also symbolically remove our obstacles as well just one thing that I've seen in in like Sri Lanka and India as well, where they have elephants at temples is that the elephants bless the, bless people with their trunk by um, just touching them on their forehead and also giving with fruit as well. And in a way I find, I find that almost it's, I just find that as Ganesha working through the elephants as well and blessing us. And that's just, I guess his ability to just be multifaceted as well.
1: Yeah. Now I really like how you tie that all together and, terms of actually breaking down the elephant head rather than just saying the elephant head one, one thing so him taking in everything through his ears like a good bad he can hear he kind of hears everything and he takes it all in and then his mind's sharp and wise and mm. it has that discretion to process that and then him using his trunk using that wisdom using that knowledge using what he's heard and seen to then bless people decide like to remove those obstacles where appropriate because I'm I mean, I'm sure as everyone knows, you, you pray to him to help you with his obstacles, really. When we say remover of obstacles, yes, we all pray to him to remove our obstacles, but it's really more helping us face our challenges and his discretion then comes in there mm. with how he would help someone with their obstacles in their path. But I like how that really ties in like that. You tied that in really nicely. That And that's um, definitely not something I was aware of till now.
0: I guess one thing that I wanted to wrap up. Um, just to talk, wanted to talk about before we go on to say, talk about some stories is that. In terms of iconography or the forms of Ganesha, there's a list of 32 forms of Ganesha listed in the Mugdala Purana, which is another text that talks about Ganesha. I won't go through all 32 of them, but the forms that they have actually have variations from one to five heads, as well as from two to 16 arms. But just to go through some of the more commonly known ones, there's Bala Ganapati, which is a childlike Ganapati, which him looking like a little kid, uh, there's the Nritya Ganapati or the like the dancing Ganapati. But one of the one of the interesting things I found was in Nepal the Heramba Ganapati, that particular form is very popular in that particular region. But the more most popular ones or mo- sorry, most popular form that people often associate with Ganapati is the Maha Ganapati or the Great Ganapati. So um those are just some of the f- few things and if The the list that you just mentioned with the
1: 32 names um, of Gunapathy, I I was just, I obviously had a look through them before the podcast and you definitely, they're definitely quite interesting. You've picked out kind of of the more common ones, but maybe that's something um, we'll pop up on Instagram for our listeners. If you have some time and you want to have a look through um, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we'll put that up there for you guys to have a look at.
0: One thing that you probably notice when you're looking at a lot of images of Ganesha is that he has a little mouse sitting in front of him and the the symbol of that particular mouse can can be seen as the representation of human laziness, inactivity, but also a bit of ego as well. In Sanskrit like the The name for a mouse is Mushaka or Mushika. And like the Mush, like that first part, that Mush refers to stealing and robbing, which you can think of as a type of Vigna or like impediment or obstacle in terms of our human mind. The combination of that shows of the like, or the mouse surrendering itself in front of Ganesha is a way in which our our egos and our desire, wanting to surrender in front of Ganesha, because he will then remove those things from us. That's really that's actually in that's that's really interesting.
2: I never actually thought about. I'll be honest, I never thought about the representation of the mouse to that sort of depth. I think it's very interesting that. To consider that the mouse is the representation of our ego and how we are meant to, I guess we ourselves need to sacrifice and you know put aside our ego. And when we're play, praying to Lord Ganesha. that that's really interesting.
1: That's, and I have to agree. I didn't think yeah. about why it was a mouse that was his vahanam or his vehicle. And I did always think, how does he ride a mouse with a belly yeah. and an elephant face? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, that was always one thing we were taught as kids as well, that he was riding a mouse around and you imagine a giant <laughs> elephant on top of a tiny mouse. But but I guess with, like with that, thinking about that particular image as well, there were a lot of stories that we were told as kids um, about Ganesha and that kind of explained a lot of the things that we've had before. And I was just hoping to go in through some of those tales that you guys were taught as kids. Was there anything that you've remembered fondly, Dovi.
2: I think the one that, one of the ones at least that really sort of has stuck with me and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to recite the story word for word. So do forgive me if I make mistakes here and there. Um, so Parvati was going to have a shower and she, I think there's a couple of versions and one, she builds Ganesh out of turmeric paste and others, she asks. she just asks ganesha to stand there and guard her while, or guard while, on guard while she's taking a shower and then shiva comes along wanting to see parvati but ganesha doesn't allow him no matter what and in rage um shiva decapitates him um and when parvati comes out and sees this you know she's overwhelmed in emotion she's crying and she demands lord shiva to you know, bring him back to life. And this is the part where I'm gonna be a little bit messy here. Uh Lord I think Lord Shiva says that he'll the first animal he finds, um, he'll take their head and give it to the little boy and he know he sends nandi on this quest. He find the first uh he finds an elephant and that's how you know, that story of Ganesha getting that elephant head. But as part of that I believe there's also part of the requests to Lord Shiva that Ganesha be made the first deity that is prayed to um as like as part of his I guess to repair what he had done as that to make Ganesha the first deity he'd been prayed he praised he prays to so that's the story that you know one of the biggest stories I've heard obviously like I said not sure that's correct word for word
1: that's um, pretty similar to the story like I've heard for why he has an elephant head um, or the creation of Ganesha, I should say. The The only slight difference is the one I remember was more that he was made from dirt, not the turmeric paste. And just to unpack that story for our listeners, because uh, uh, there was a few name drops, essentially. Shiva is a, another one of the Hindu deities or gods that we'll talk about a bit later who's considered Ganesha's father. And Parvati or Shakti is Shiva's wife and Ganesha's mother. And again, another god we will touch on later on, but she's known as the all-powerful Devi or the all-powerful goddess. Um, and she. so the other variation, Dhobi, that I kind of had from what I remembered was when you said she came out emotional, the emotion that I remember being towards as she came out um, outraged and very angry at her husband and Shiva to calm the wrath of her wife brought back Ganesha to life and went and got um, the, again, like you said, the head of the first elephant, the first animal he saw, which was a baby elephant. Um, but I, I believe there are, other variations on that story which I've kind of heard in the periphery I don't know all the details of um, but there's also parts of it where like you mentioned the, the and the mentioned version I heard of Shiva take um, cutting off Ganesha's head in outrage uh, one version being that part of the reason for that was he didn't know who Ganesha was and he was like who's this child standing in my way not just that there is someone standing in his way, or his child his child is standing in his way, he just didn't know who the child was. The other version was he didn't actually do it himself. He set a um, an army on Ganesha to do that, and Ganesha fought quite valiantly and really stood his ground before that happened. And I believe there's also, and Sarah, you may know a bit more from your research, but I believe there's also a story where one of the other deities, it might have been Vishnu, came in and intervened at some point as well. And I think that's a much longer story, but I think there was also something about that. Um, And I don't know if you know maybe a bit more information on that particular version of it, but these are just kind of little things I've heard out in the periphery.
0: Yeah, like those... Those are all sort like sort of the variations that I've come across as well. And you're right on that, that last one being a variation where he, he does fight a full army, and they also say that's how he, in recognition of his ability, like of him fighting all those um, uh, individuals and all these people, um, all these figures. He was then led made to be the leader of the ganas, hence the Ganapati or the Ganesha, and like that's where like that name also comes across as oh, well. Right. Okay. There's also yeah, there's also another story um, where he gets his elephant head, and it's actually where the ganas go to um, Shiva and want um, they they go to they go to Shiva and request. Um, they just um, go to him and they request for extra help or extra protection. And Shiva laughs. And from his laughter, it creates this being in Shiva's image and um, that itself was Ganesha. um, Oh, that's a very different. And so it's a very different story that I found um, that was in one of um, the, in the Varaha Purana. And it was, it talks about him being created from the laughter of shiva but because ganesha looked too alluring and too distracting they um, he ended up giving ganesha a elephant head and a pot belly <laughs>
1: that is definitely very different <laughs> i haven't heard that story i yeah,
2: have, have not heard of that
0: so it's a very different story but it's a story that it's a it's a tale that i also found as well and um but I guess with all of that, it comes to show not just about the elephant head coming across, but I guess his ability to deal with obstacles as well. That's one thing that I really got from like that particular like that particular tale as a as a kid, in his ability to deal with these problems and to take them headstrong and to just not um, not move and not shake uh, when all of these things. Come forward if it like. So,
1: I guess with that story, though, something relating to that. So, that story is of, about the creation of Ganesha and his head transplant as a result of the story. Depending on what story you look at, um, head transplant that- I like that. <laughs> um, that happened on the day we celebrate as Ganesh chadurthi or Ganesha's birthday, um, which is late august early september but i believe it's supposed to be the sixth month of the hindu calendar um and it's celebrated across so many places which which would which relates to what you were talking about before sarah with um how japanese also um have ganesha in their stories how in nepal there's versions of um Ganesha that's worshipped. And so the that celebration is a and when I was looking this up, apparently across not just Sri Lanka and India, but Nepal and other countries as well. And so but now that makes sense now that you've explained the Buddhism and Jainism and the other relationships with that other um cultures and religions have with Ganesha. And but while I was looking that up so and I didn't realize that but that celebration can either be one day or it can be eleven days. Um yeah yeah and i don't know i actually am not too sure how many days we celebrate it for i believe it might be 10 um and i know the way we celebrate it is more you know you it's like uh you clean your house to to welcome him um and sweets are made and a very particular sweet is the more which you had mentioned earlier he more than like as in more is that sweet that he is fond of and something that he holds, and so Mola is kind of that sweet that's made on Ganesh Chaturthi to welcome Ganesh into your house. So, sorry, that was just a bit of a tangent. I thought I could just go on there because it is his birthday celebration, and that would relate to that story of creation. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that's a really um, big, uh, a big celebration that I know a lot of. Um, my Indian Hindu friends really celebrate. I personally don't celebrate it. Um, Like my family doesn't celebrate um, Ganesha Shadutti in a big way, but I know there are big celebrations with Ganesha Shadutti, but thanks for bringing that up, Janna. In terms of like any other particular stories, was there anything that you remember?
1: So the story that really stuck out to me growing up, um, apart from the way he was created, was... The jnana Palam story, or the fruit of wisdom story. So, this the way I remember it: um, Shiva and Parvati, so Ganesha and Morgan's parents, um, and Morgan being we kind we referred a little bit to him before. Morgan is Ganesha's little brother, another god or deity in Hinduism. Um, had a fruit of knowledge, and they both. Ganesha and Murugan both wanted this fruit of knowledge and so Lord Shiva issued a challenge um, and that was that the first person to complete circling the entire world three times would get uh, the fruit. Now this is an interesting challenge because for those of you that don't know, that's listening in, Murugan, uh, his vahana or his vehicle is the peacock and as we mentioned before, Ganesha's vehicle is a is a mouse so if you imagine a um ganesha with his elephant hand his belly encompassing the universe sitting on a mouse to try and go around the world three times versus morgan who is depicted very differently if you look him up um to
0: kind of get a visual he's almost very slender he's very slender yeah Um,
1: and he's on a peacock this elegant animal that's probably a lot faster than a mouse but and you think you hear that story. When you first hear that story, you go, like, what kind of challenge is that? Now, but Ganesha wins that challenge because Murugan took off on his peacock to, to race around the world. And Ganesha, as Murugan was kind of finishing his third round of the world, Ganesha circled the feet of his parents on his mice. And when asked by... Uh, by his parents why he did that and this is where we talk about his knowledge and his wisdom Um, and maybe also where you see why he's thought of as this very kind and humble deity. He says the entire universe is permeated by both of you and therefore you are my world and it, it alludes to your parents being the people that bring you into this world and teach you about the world, and um, that you should show that respect to your parents because they guide you through through the world as you grow up and get older. And so, um, impressed with his answer, of course, he then gains the fruit of knowledge. Um, and then so that was that's the story that really I remember the most from my childhood. And there is another variation that I found when I was. Um, looking, looking it up to see whether there are other versions of the story like there are of the story Dovi mentioned. And um, as I said before, this kind of talks about his association with intelligence and wisdom. And most of the stories, that's what they're alluding to. But one of the um, variations with, with to do with intelligence and wisdom was that it was a competition for him to get married And he was getting married to Buddhi and Siddhi, wisdom and success. And in that particular story, um, this just quoted in the Vedas, uh, they, they quote, He who embraces his parents seven times gains the merit of encircling the world seven times. And Ganesha quoted that and circled his parents seven times and that's how he won. So a slight variation in the sense that instead of three times it was seven times and it was for and the
0: prize in this story wasn't fruit it was the brides of buddhi wisdom and siddhi success.
1: Yeah. But I guess the overall story is that the
0: um is about like
1: the what both stories talk is talking about is the knowledge and the wisdom of lord ganesha and his humility but also that idea of your the universe is permeated through your parents. Um, you're taught so much by your parents and guided through life and just showing that uh, respect towards them and encompassing them in that in that sense.
0: And I also just one other thing you could nitpick if you really wanted to find meaning in everything is that he took a moment to think about the challenge before him and approached it in a very humble way as well.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, there's also these other stories that I um, know associate with his ability, like his big his wisdom as well. Like that story you mentioned, Jana talks about his wisdom in um, gaining this jnana palam, this fruit of wisdom as well. But one thing that I was also taught is that he was the author of the Mahabharata, and one thing that he um one thing that happened was he set the challenge for um the sage Vyasa, and what he said to him was that he has to speak continuously and make sure that Ganesha never stops writing at any point in time.
2: Yeah, so I've I've heard some versions of that story. Vyasa actually challenged um Ganesha back, saying there's one con- the one condition he has is that. Ganesha has to actually understand every word that he is saying. And as part of that, they say that's why in the Mahabharata, which is considered a somewhat simple passage for mo- for the most part, there are some complex stanzas where Vyasa decided to give, to give himself a break. He said something a bit more complex to make Ganesha have to stop and understand it before he wrote it. So that was really interesting. And then the further part to that story is that Ganesha Ganesha's pen broke when he was writing because he was writing so fast and because he couldn't stop because he had made that condition to Vyasa he had he decided to break his own task and I guess to write with the rest of the Mahabharata and I guess the moral for that story there would be you know like regardless of the challenges you face when you start something you need to make sure you figure out a way to finish it and I, I think that's what I sort of take from that story.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the things that I also found on top of that as well. One of the other stories that I found in which he, um, he lost his tusk was one, like one day because of his, um, appearance, like his pot belly, his elephant head, um, the moon was laughing at him and like the moon and the constellations in the sky were all laughing at him. And because of that, in in a fit of rage he broke off his tusk and hurled it at the moon and in doing so it um darkened the moon itself like so it went from like a full white moon to a bla- um to almost like a dark new moon but the w- without it um the like because without the light of the moon or during um the nights like thieves and villains would all come and hurt then pillage and um, thief along, among the common folk, along, among the people on earth. And so, in order to um, gain, uh, so what, in order to bring things back to normal, the gods asked Ganesha to forgive the moon. But, like in doing so, he only gave a partial forgiveness. And that partiality in his forgiveness is what brings across the moon's phases, in that he allows the moon to come to full light, but only once every four weeks in terms in those moon cycles so that's why and like that's a story that um was there to explain like the moon's phases but also how he lost his tusk. i never heard i can't
1: say i've heard that that's that's quite interesting yeah like the the phases of the moon being related to ganesha and that story that that is not something i've definitely not heard so
2: there's one other story that i also have heard about and it it just reflects a little bit about also about why we pray to Lord Ganesha, why we offer food to deities first. And that was that um, Ganesha disguised himself as a boy and went into a, a village asking for um, a sweet rice dish. And everybody was refusing him. And then finally he found a lady who said she'd make it for him. Um, and then she started making it and Ganesha disguised as this little boy went off to play. The lady fell asleep and when she woke up, the sweet dish had been cooked and the pot she'd been making was completely full. Now it smelled so good that she just wanted to eat it and she didn't want to wait for this little boy to come back. But before she did that, she had she took a small amount in a small bowl, put it in front of a uh, idol of Ganesha and then she started eating. And she just kept eating because the pot kept refilling itself. And when Ganesha came back, um she apologized obviously he was disguised as a little boy she apologized to him and said i'm sorry i i didn't it was just smelt so good that i've just des- i decided to start eating without waiting for you and then lord lord ganesha disguised as a little boy and said no you've already offered me food and he pointed at the um small bowl and i think there's just like a moral to that which was that you know if you offer what you're doing to god first if you offer it to ganesha first that you will re- you will reap the rewards, and they'll be plentiful. Which is, I, I just found that like a really interesting story, and maybe a, a, maybe a reason to why we pray to him first as well.
0: Yeah, that is it. That is a quite interesting story. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing with us, Dovi. And I'm pretty sure all of our listeners have. I'm pretty sure all of our listeners have plenty of stories that they've heard about Ganesha, they've grown up, any variations on anything that we've said. Um, please share them with us so that way we can share it out with everyone else as well. And we'd love to hear anything that you have to say, um, even any morals, any anything that you took from the stories that we've also brought forward. I guess just a little fun fact segment that I wanted to bring in. Uh, for we talked about Orm in our last episode and how that was almost the universal sound, the cosmic background radiation that we keep talking about um, there's actually a big association with Orm and uh and Ganesha. Did you guys know about that? No I didn't no I never heard about it before. so this association actually comes from uh, the ganapadi adar um sorry um so this association actually comes from the ganapati adar vashirsa sorry for the mispronunciation but in this text they actually um, say that ganesha is the, the Brahma, the Vishud, Vishnu, the Mahesha, the you're know, the sun, the moon, uh the Brahman, pretty much saying that he is everything, he is Orm. And one of the names that then get associated with Ganesha is Aumkara Swarupa, in that his um Aum is another notion of his form. So this and another name for the Orm, like that Mandram of Orm is the Pranava Mandra or like the pranava and that way that's another reason as to how ganesha has that name pranava and in in that way as well if you've not noticed in like tamil writing or even in like devanagari writing or sanskrit with like the om iconography it the the writing or the 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 character itself very much resembles an elephant face to try and um bring in the shape of Ganesha's body as well into the symbol of Om. so just a little fun fact for our listeners and for you guys as well
1: cool I, I didn't know that that's that is really that's that's pretty cool
0: I think I vaguely remember
2: like seeing like you see like the depictions of Om with like the sort of trunk uh representation for parts of it I I just didn't completely you know correlate the two together but that's that's really interesting
0: I guess with everything that we've talked about we've talked about like the stories we've talked about his names and we've talked about his iconography but is there we've talked about also our relationships with Ganesha as well it is has there anything else that's popped up into your mind as to where we see him in everyday life
1: that's a great question Sarah so it, it's a tough one um, because
0: I've grown up Thinking of Ganesh in a particular
1: way for so many years. But I am mindful the whole point of us starting this whole podcast was to learn more and increase our knowledge and adapt that to how we pray or see Hinduism. And so the main thing for me, so like I said, I think I'll continue to go on um, seeing him as the remover of obstacles and worshiping him first. I've definitely got a bigger, greater understanding for why he's worshipped first now. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me that i think i'll carry on is the symbolism I, like i mentioned earlier in the podcast i really liked how you, t- you explained the symbolism behind his elephant head with the ears the brain and then the trunk and also the other the second big sim- uh symbolic part of his depiction is the mouse being the ego of man and his control over that. And that is something I'll take away from. So in his way of removing obstacles is also removing that ego or having control over that ego. So he's not... um, So in the sense of... I've heard before, and this may come a little bit from my side background. I'm not too sure where I've got this from, but you can never really completely destroy ego. Um, but you need to have control over it, and I think that is depicted in in Ganesha there. How you're not trying, you're not in this belief of your ego is completely gone, like you can just completely destroy it. But it's about having that control over it and not letting it control you and having that victory and uh, therefore the ego surrenders to him, not the other way around. And I think that's something that's going to stick with me while I'm praying as well, just kind of keeping that in mind and, you know, trying to also have that control over ego and different various uh, phases of life and having Ganesha as the God to pray for, for that in a sense, because that's what his symbolism is. Um And, the other thing I, I liked was the the explanation of the moon. I think that's a really cool story that I'll probably hang on to. Um and the other story was what Dubi mentioned about um him being disguised as a child and having the pot of food, but from that the idea of why we offer food to God, what even not just Ganesha but to the deities to God before we eat. Um that that story tying that in but i think to summarize my rambling of the podcast i think the main thing is i will definitely still see him as a remover of ob- of obstacles but i will be adding to that mostly the symbolism of who he is and everything he brings to that and is the reason he's the first god that we worship and i'll take I, I love that we have some i have more stories now about him like i have a better understanding of the background of ganesha
2: yeah i definitely agree with jenna like i don't think the way i see ganesha in my life will necessarily has necessarily changed i think he's still you know we still see him as a remover of obstacles but i i think my understanding of why we do that has improved a lot more and these small stories and anecdotes the meaning behind the name and the symbolism it just helps you understand why why you're doing these things or why you see him in that way more than anything else i think that's very important that's while we're doing this podcast right there's things we do that we don't understand and this i think what a lot of what we talked about today just helped grow that understanding about why we worship him first what that like jenna said what the elephant head represents and what all those different images that make that we see of him represent
0: what about you sarah well i think from just having read and like listened to the stories that you guys have brought forward as well you gain that greater appreciation for the little things that we do every day. Um, Like one thing that I've always noticed with my house as well is that we have a picture of Ganesha on our front doorstep. And I feel as though it's a symbol of, you know, walking through and coming into the house. In crossing the threshold, there's no issues and no challenges and you leave all those obstacles behind you. Um, That was one thing that I noticed. Um, And in one other thing that I noticed when we did at home was when we did prayers uh, at home, we often took some turmeric. In other parts, I've also read that they've taken, like, red sandalwood paste and they make a small... um, Pile, but in doing so make it a representation of Ganesha as well. And they actually put some of a particular type of grass, so like Dhruva grass or in Tamil, like arugambul. There's a, like, it's a very sturdy grass that also has this ability to just grow in a variety of hardy conditions. And also, like, one thing is that it can, act, they say that it actually can live unrooted or like out of the ground for quite a while. And even if you replant it, it will continue to grow. Having read stuff about that as well with Pulear, it just shows a bit more of his resilience and his ability to just overcome uh, ex- like those sorts of conditions. And it's just reading a lot of those things, like reading a lot more has pretty much cemented more of that understanding and then noticing the little things in the everyday that we do. With relation to Ganesh, And I'm pretty sure that's a journey that you guys as well, as well as our listeners will continue. um, You'll start to see more as you um, and you start to notice things in life that you actually do subconsciously or as a result of your parents having told you. And you start to get a greater understanding of why that is and why that's not. And if you continue to do it, great if you and if you have taken something from everything that we've said today we thank you for listening as well all in all we've talked a lot about Ganesha we've talked about his name his symbol like symbology his iconography then some of the stories and the ways we've incorporated him in our lives and we've experienced in our lives in wrapping this up we hope that uh, you guys as well as all of our listeners have learned something new about Ganesha and we just want to thank you so much for everyone that keeps listening to us and send us any of the questions that you have, anything you want us to answer, any stories that you want to want to share or just any anecdotes and your experiences with Ganesha in everyday life, even if it's different to the way we go about it as well. We just want to hear from you. So that's it from Dovi, Jana, and myself. Abi will be back with us next episode, but thank you for all of you for joining us today. This is Team Quality Hindu Shantiing out. Catch you guys later. See you later.